the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This podcast brought to you by the Weekly Standard Cruise. Cruising the Mediterranean October 9th through the 20th with all of your Weekly Standard favorites, including Stephen Hayes, Bill Crystal, and Fred Barnes. For more information, visit TWSCruise.com. That's the Weekly Standard, TWSCruise.com. Bill Crystal, editor at the Weekly Standard and a good friend. Bill, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. My pleasure, Michael. So Susan Rice is going to go from lying to us about terrorists killing Americans to being in charge of stopping terrorists from killing Americans. What a what a great way to uh, promote your uh, your career in this town. Right. Well, the great the sophisticated defense of her is that, of course, she stuck to the talking points. I'm not sure that's quite right, but that she, in any case, was just given these talking points and just repeated them. And so it's wonderful to have a national security advisor who has no critical judgment, who didn't seem to have read anything, any other material over those two or three days that cast extreme doubt, let us say, on the video uh, uh, explanation of what happened in Benghazi. And she just went out and pushed a line for obviously for political reasons. There's not a single grown-up human being in America who doesn't know what she was doing. And uh, she was rewarded. And I guess the president, there's no Senate confirmation, so I guess the president can have, one has to take the position that the president can have the national security advisor he want, but it's not good for the country, and I think the rest of us are totally entitled to say that this is kind of crazy inside the Beltway uh, thing going around the last few hours. Well, it's, it's not a Senate-confirmed position, so we can't say anything. Well, rubbish. <laughs> we can say what we want, and what we can say is this is not, I mean, there's nothing she's done in her career, honestly, that makes gives one any confidence she'll be a competent. No, wait, 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 wait a minute, Bill Crystal, because I heard it on the, impe- the unimpeachable News-free source, MSNBC, Phil Griffin announced they don't do news, which I'm appreciative admitting that, admitting that, that she is one of the smartest people in the world. That's an actual quote from one of their commentators. She's wow, one of the smartest good people to know that. in the to, world. Yeah. How can you possibly say that she's done nothing to sh- give us confidence? For and Samantha, of course, one of the great uh, revelatory moments of her career was exposed by Samantha Power, who will succeed her if she's confirmed at the U.N., uh, who wrote about her conduct in the National Security Council and how they wanted to push off grappling with the Rwandan genocide in 94 right. when she was on Bill Clinton's National Security Council until after the election. They didn't want to give the Republicans an election issue, so they did nothing, and, and a million people kill, were, were killed in Africa. I mean, and now 100,000 people have been killed in Syria as the administration has done nothing uh, except issue empty threats and erode our credibility in the Middle East. I honestly, as an American worry about that. I mean, the next three and a half years with this, I mean, the president doesn't give me any confidence. The vice president, you'll be surprised to know, doesn't give me any confidence. And John Kerry, Chuck Hagel, Susan Rice, and Samantha Power, I mean, it's really worrisome. Uh, the, the, uh... On, that, on, that, on that horrifying note, we can just end the conversation and go slink under our covers, I suppose, you know? I mean, I really do worry about the U.S. and the world in the next three It's a very dangerous world out there, and these people are not I'm very worried that these people aren't up to even minimally dealing with it. Uh, we're also, as you and I are speaking, the Dow has dropped another 200 points below 15,000. And it seems as though when you talk to people about the current state of America and you ask the question, what are we getting from the Obama presidency? In other words, you know, every every presidency has its upsides, downsides. With Bush, you got no successful attacks on American soil. you got some other issues, Iraq, et cetera. And you can go through the presidencies. What are we getting from the Obama presidency? If the economy, the economy's been mediocre, if the economy goes to bad, then you add all the scandals, you add the fiasco in Syria, you add the lack of standing, and then you add this, I mean, I, 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 am I allowed to say clown show on with, with you, Bill Crystal? Because I'm not trying to be mean, but it seems like a clown show out of the White House. What is America getting from this presidency? 
I don't know. I mean, nothing, I'm afraid nothing very good, and it's worrisome for the country. And again, I always come back to the foreign policy in the sense that you can make up for a couple of years of, you know, bad economic growth or even a falling stock market, though people do suffer from those things. But some of the foreign policy setbacks that we might be looking at are really uh, terrifying to contemplate. And it's not as if you could just put someone good in, 20, in 2017 and, and recover from those kinds of things. So we all have to fight hard to try to prevent the foreign policy from being as bad as it can be. In domestic policy, I think we just need to prevent the president from doing damage, and that means you know more regulations. It means obviously exposing what they've done with the IRS and other aspects of the federal government. I think that scandal is 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 as big as we all thought it was. Uh, I think Republicans cannot let up. They really need not to believe people in Washington who tell them, "Oh, be careful, you might be overreaching." Um, they need to keep pushing until we find out the truth. The truth may not lead to President Obama personally. I don't think that matters much. It's his administration, and it's so revelatory of a certain kind of big government liberalism, big government bureaucracy, what the IRS did to these small groups around the country. I think it's really a a moment for people to really see what the choice we face going ahead is. Bill, didn't you hear Congressman McDermott yesterday? The Tea Party was asking for it. Here's some of the audio. But as I listen to this discussion, I'd like to remind everyone what we're talking about here. None of your organizations were kept from organizing or silenced. We are talking about whether or not the American taxpayers will subsidize your work. We're talking about a tax break. If you didn't come in and ask for this tax break, you would have never had a question asked of you. Bill, because didn't you see the movie Airplane? They knew what they were doing when they bought their tickets. I say, let them crash. This was the, really, the uh, Tea Party was asking for this treatment. It's such a revealing moment, isn't it? I mm-hmm. mean, a liberal Democratic congressman. You you try to follow the law if you're a citizen, and if you follow, try to follow the law, you are supposed to register when you set up a corporation to process monies and, and make sure you're doing things appropriately and not evading paying taxes, but you shouldn't have to pay taxes if you're a 501c4. Uh, you try to follow the law, and then you get beaten up by the IRS and harassed. And then you get chastised when you come to testify uh, uh, on this at the invitation of, of of a congressional committee. I mean, it really is a kind of bullying that goes beyond even the normal bullying in Washington. And um, I thought, for me, it really yesterday's hearing really um, highlighted, though, the kind of the, the choice ahead. I mean, the Tea Party, whatever it's you know, and I don't agree with every single sure. Tea Party thing ever that anyone's ever anyone associated with the Tea Party has ever said, but. Um, but, you know, that is a genuine citizen's bottom-up movement trying to do their best uh, for the country. And the contrast of them with Jim McDermott and of them with uh, people like Lois Lerner, for me, it's really a revealing moment. Uh, the other thing that the congressman said was you haven't talked about the questions you want us to ask. You've only talked about the questions you, we shouldn't have asked and that you don't believe in any scrutiny. And I just thought that was a, a gasp-inducing for me, Bill, because the, it's not that there was scrutiny. It's that the scrutiny wasn't, what are you doing with the money? The scrutiny was, what do you pray? What do you read? Who do you hang out with? What do you believe? I can't think of a scenario where the IRS should ever ask questions like that. No, I totally agree. And this scandal is really worse than previous IRS scandals. Previous IRS scandals, 
they tried to find out if people who they thought they didn't like were evading taxes, basically. So it's a little Al Capone-like. You get someone on the tax issue, even when you're going after them for other reasons. But they did try, I and mean, they shouldn't have looked at people's individual tax returns for political reasons, but they were trying to find, obviously, ways to chip up those people. Mm-hmm. That's not what this is. As you say, this has nothing to do with anyone evading. No one's making a cent off this. No one's evading anything. This has to do with bludgeoning people so they don't engage in, in, the, civic, in the political process and the civic process. And it really is, I just think it's so revealing that they went after these two-party groups. It's so bullying. And I also would make this point. You know, wasn't the Tea Party, all the liberals tell us, the mainstream media tells us, they're unpopular, they're right. a problem for the Republican Party. How come the liberals at the IRS were so scared of the Tea Party people? They sensed that there was something going on there that if let just, if, if people were just made, if it was made easy or normal for people to organize. God knows where this could go. God knows what ideas people get. They really found this a threat to their way of, con- to their vision of how American politics should work. And speaking of that vision, get back to uh, to the Susan Powers decision. You know, let's set aside her, her you know, competence or whatever. The fact is, she is a polarizing figure. She is the face of the Benghazi scandal. For the president to choose her, isn't he essentially announcing to everybody, "I have no interest." in compromise, in cutting deals, and working together. I'm completely happy to have three and a half years of trench warfare, gutting it out and fighting it out, and I quite frankly don't care what anybody thinks. Yes, and she's doing it, he's doing it in foreign policy, which is not where that's traditionally been done. I mean, the pick of Hegel first and then of, of Rice, I'd say in particular, um, really is a, a, a statement that he's doing this his way. He doesn't care want, you know, care about Republican support, want Republican support. That was not the way Clinton or Bush or others, their, their national security advisors were obviously Republicans and Democrats, respectively, but they were not particularly partisan political types. They tried to reach across the aisle. Uh, that has not been the case with Susan Rice. Uh, one last uh, question for you. If you're the Republican, you talk about not overreaching, but if you're the Republicans, is there any mileage out of trying to offer the president something that would involve a deal or if, if he or is the smart thing to just simply say, look, here's what we would do if we had power. Here it is, Mr. President, if you want to come across the aisle and work with us, and, but let the uh, the voters judge for themselves. Yeah, I'm not big on deals or negotiations. I think there are some things they could pass, some IRS reforms, for example, some sort of small, medium-sized things mm. where they, some Democrats would support the Republican initiatives and where it would be hard for the president to stand in the way. So that's my idea of a compromise getting some smaller things done, but basically Republicans need to tell the country and they need to tell Republican voters, honestly, that what we're going to be able to do mostly for the next three and a half years is prevent the president from doing too much damage, we hope. Uh, Hopefully win the Senate back in 2015, then maybe make a little more progress, but basically lay the groundwork for coming back in 2017. Um, But it's, I mean, looking at that crew up there running our foreign policy, again, I I just hope Republicans can, can put enough pressure on the president not to really do irresponsible things and maybe maybe push him to do one or two things that he doesn't want to do that would be good for the country. All I can say is I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Bill Crystal, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Michael. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast brought to you by the Weekly Standard Cruise. October 9th through 20th, cruise the Mediterranean with your Weekly Standard favorites. For all the details, visit TWSCruise.com. That's TWSCruise.com.